Hello, welcome to Fruitbox, Fruitnet's series of conversations about the fresh fruit and vegetable business with me, Chris White. Every week I talk down the line from here in London with people from across the world of fresh produce about some of the biggest issues they face today. My aim is that these 15-minute conversations twice a week give you the best insight into how to do better business in fresh fruits and vegetables. Today, in a specially extended edition of Fruitbox, you'll be pleased to know that I've left my little studio in London For the first time in nearly 30 episodes, I've hit the road. Because this week, I want to talk about cherries. And they're in season now here in the UK, and I love cherries. So much so that I thought I'd get out from behind my desk and my studio microphone and come out to try some straight from the tree. So today on Fruitbox, you find me a couple of hours south of London in a county called Hampshire, where I'm delighted to be joined by Matt Hancock, Managing Director of Norton Folgate, a specialist cherry importer and distributor, and by Will Wolmer, who runs Blackmore Estates, producing around 100 tonnes of cherries every season. Matt, Will, welcome to Fruitbox. Thank you, thank you. Now, Matt, you've been in cherries for 30 years or more. Is this the best time for cherries you've ever known? Um, I'm not sure there is ever a best time for cherries. I think what draws me to the cherry industry is the volatility that comes with, with cherries, so the, the uh, you know, changes in weather and, and markets and um, the ups and downs is what keeps it interesting. So, you know, cherries have been, it's been an exciting place for a long time. Um, and it keeps being exciting because of the nature of the product. Um, but obviously, we've got some, some big opportunities going on within the industry at the moment with, with new varieties and new orchards uh, going in and new ways of growing cherries. And obviously, um, the sort of immediate things of COVID and those kind of challenges just add another layer to it. But cherries in general are quite an ex- exciting space to be in. You've been buying and selling cherries from all over the world for supermarkets here in, in the UK for all that time. Did you ever expect that you'd be devoting ever more of your time to, to cherries that are grown here in, in Britain? Yeah, probably not to the extent that we are now. I think um, you know, we've had a, a, a real explosion in the last decade uh, in the UK. And uh, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago whether we'd be doing the sort of tonnages that we're seeing, I would have probably not believed you. Um, but it's exciting uh, times with, with all the new uh, dwarfing rootstocks and, and covering systems that we have now. We've really entered a new dawn, a new era uh, for the British cherry industry, which is really exciting and I think there's more to come. So, so Will, turning to you, what's life like for a cherry grower here in the UK? You share Matt's rosy outlook on things? I think I do. I think we're part of the explosion in cherry growing that that he just referred to. We've been growing apples and pears on this farm for pretty much exactly 100 years, but cherries for only eight or nine. And, yeah, certainly very excited about cherries, the new systems, the new rootstocks that that Matt just referred to. Uh, And I certainly see it being a very important part of our business going forwards. But there's huge challenges you face. I mean, the weather is one thing, the supply of labour is another so it's not all so easy i imagine fruit growing is always going to be challenging um, but there are certain aspects of the way we grow cherries now that take away some of it if not all of the risks uh, to do with the weather mm. now matt once the cherries are, are picked they're packed on this state-of-the-art grader uh, that's supplied by the guys at unitec in italy their graders i know don't come cheap but it's made all the difference for you hasn't it Yes, I mean, I think, um, you know, when the, when, when the British industry was, uh, was much smaller than it is now, obviously, in the, in the good old days, we'd be packing fruit by hand um, into, into retail punnets and retail formats. And, and when we were doing, 
you know, 1,000 to 1,500 tonnes as an industry, it was manageable. But now we've obviously got uh, bigger volumes uh, in play now and it, it just would be impossible to do what we do without the help of the grader. And I think, um, you know, both for our domestic customers, they expect to see a, a really nice homogenous product, which is which we can do with the grading facility. And also it's opened up a whole new business, which is the export business, which mm. if you'd said to me again 10 years ago, would we be exporting cherries? I probably would have laughed at uh, you and it's an important business. I want to come on to that in a sec, but I know that it's always important that you pack, well, the, the best tasting fruit that you possibly can. What, what changes have you made to the varieties that you're growing? and What's happened in this area? Well, I think generally there's been a shift towards the darker, larger, firmer cherries, uh, particularly the ones that have come historically out of Canada. Those are the ones that the customers seem to want, and those are the ones we can grow very well under our system. Um, and uh, they allow us on this site to, to uh, extend our season a little bit later than we would have done with some of the more traditional mm. varieties. Uh, Matt, this, this move, this push for new varieties, a lot of that has come from the supermarkets who've moved into cherries in a much bigger way in recent years. It, it, why, why this change... Why is this change happening? Why is it happening now? I think um, the, you know, the, 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 the change of varieties is led really by trying to take the lumps and bumps out of what has traditionally been a very uh, sort of seasonal business. And we're now extending our growing windows so that we can get a more steady supply of cherries over a, a, a larger number of weeks. We've seen it in Chile, we've seen it in, in, in North America as well over the years. You know, with, the, with these grading investments that we're putting in, which are really big, pieces of investment you need to increase your your production window to to justify the levels of investment that we've seen so whilst the supermarkets are inevitably are always looking for innovation and new things but it's also come um, about uh, partially driven from the grower base and and, and, the, and the business model if you like for a need to keep these machines running for longer but when september comes around i guess they kind of understandably lose interest because the supply dries up um do you think there's an opportunity to grow the market for cherries in a really big way outside this season that we have here in the UK, which is essentially June, July and August? Absolutely. Uh, you know, my, I've always sort of joked in my state of aim, having been in the cherry industry for nearly 30 years, has been, you know, I'll probably hang up my boots and retire when we get to 52 weeks. We're not quite there. When I started, we were about 27 weeks. We, as a business, we're now selling cherries for 46 weeks of the year. And the last, um, you know, the last six weeks are going to be the, the real, real tough nut to crack. Uh, as an industry but if you the, the example I'd give you would be look at what happened to blueberries when blueberries got to 52 weeks supply on a regular basis with decent volume the, the, the business overnight virtually quadrupled the cost of not having cherries at the moment to the business is enormous but then there are times of the year where it's I, I mean where for example the Chileans are hugely into cherries in that period of November from starting in November and they're shipping predominantly to China so is it difficult to attract the Chileans to come here in that period. Do you need uh, kind of the prices to flatten in China so they'll be more interested in, in the UK market and, th and, and the rest of Europe for that matter? Yeah, I think there's been a, a bit of a meeting of minds over the last couple of years. I think that on the one hand, the Chileans have seen this explosion of volume that they've had and there are some concerns there that possibly they're overexposed to the Chinese market and what could happen. And obviously COVID this year is, is a case in point. Um, so, so I think they've... Their, their view is slightly relaxed in terms of what they may be looking for out of that business and they're more pragmatic about uh, spreading that risk and equally on our side I think we've seen um, retailers and, and our businesses like ours also understand that we probably need to improve our offer slightly and there's generally we're getting to a point now where there's there's much more of a meeting of minds in terms of that price difference that we, we have had for a number of years it's getting a lot closer. 
Um, uh, Matt was speaking a moment ago, Will, about the fact that English cherries are now exported. Did you ever expect that to happen? No, never. No, um, we'll, we'll be sending cherries to South Africa this year, which uh, is, is a new one for me. It's, it's not historically been something that's been done very much by, uh, by, by British growers, uh, but you know, very gratifying to see, and it provides a very helpful extra market for our product. Uh, Matt, you've been exhibiting at Asia Fruit Logistica in recent years, and the whole brand Great Britain is pretty well and known and understood in, in Asia. Do they know about British cherries, and do you see good opportunities in that part of the world where you know, the cherry industry has really enjoyed huge growth in recent years? Yeah, I mean, the feedback we get from customers is that sort of brand Britain is, is a, is, has a really strong message and re- resonates very well with, with customers. And actually this year, with our British fruit, we, we've come to an arrangement with a, with a retailer in Hong Kong who've actually specifically requested a, a 500 gram pack with a Union Jack flag to go into their stores. And we've got a number of other, other countries that we're exporting to who, who also want the Union Jack uh, flag. And if you look at our branding on our boxes, it, the, the Union Jack features pretty heavily in, in our whole brand identity. And, and the feedback has been very po- positive. And Middle East as well, um, they love that Union Jack box. Um, coming on to the last few questions now, Will, what, what are the biggest challenges that you face as a grower? We haven't really talked about the weather. We're standing here on a rather windy day in Hampshire where hurricanes hardly ever happen, I know. Um, is, is weather a big issue for you? Is, is, is it labour uh, shortages and so on? Well, weather's always going to be an issue with fruit growing. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, with the systems that, in which we're growing the cherries now with rain covers uh, uh, and, and netting, we are actually taking away some of the weather risks. So that's providing as well as protection from, from uh, split cherries because of the rain. It's also preventing uh, frost damage and, and other issues. Um, but notwithstanding that, yes, weather is, is, is ultimately always going to be challenging uh, growing fresh produce. Uh, labour, you asked about labour, yes that's been a challenge this year for, for obvious reasons, although at the moment we're looking set fair, we've, we, our, our uh, contracted labour has all been able to turn up on, on farm okay, we've had a huge demand from, from local people wanting mm-hmm. to pick cherries as well this year. But for you I guess as a grower the, the thing you really want is certainty as, as much as you possibly can and Matt, Matt spoke a moment ago about lumps and bumps, having done all the investments that you've done, are you finding that you're, you're getting more certainty in, in able to 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 deliver a crop that fetches a certain price each and every year in a way that you perhaps couldn't have done a few years ago yes we are seeing that certainly with the marketing model we have for the cherries and the the, the system of growing uh, our, our our returns uh, and our yields are, are are more predictable than they would otherwise have been mm-hmm. and for you matt i know you're an optimist by nature every cloud has a silver lining for you isn't it you could say every cloud has a silver lining or every problem has a solution, whichever way you want to look at it. And I'm a great believer that I'd rather dwell on the, um, on the, on the side of optimism when facing challenges than, uh, than the alternative, which is never good for either yourself or all the people around you. Um, so, so, yeah, and it's possibly a byproduct of working in a, in a category which is particularly volatile and probably throws, a, 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 throws up more problems than a lot of other product areas. So I, I am an optimist and, and, uh, and, 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 and proud to be one. <laughs> now, I think this is a record because we got through this interview without mentioning once the COVID crisis. And that is a big crisis being thrown at us. What's been the single biggest lesson for you of it, Matt? Um, I think for me, it's about never underestimating the 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 uh, the way in which your teams and people can adapt to a new way of working. Um, I found it extraordinary that you know we suddenly locked everybody at home, and the business uh, has continued operationally, commercially. Um, we've had uh, some some really 
spectacular sales numbers and some very, very busy weeks. And that's been largely driven by our people and the team's ability to adapt to a new situation and, and make it happen. And I think you know, human beings are incredibly resilient when it comes to, to these kind of things. Don't underestimate it. And what about you, William? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing about resilience. I think it's, um, it, it shows what a business needs to, um, to get through tough times. And I think the other opportunity possibilities here in the UK is, is, is for the local market, for local sales. We spoke about exports earlier, but there's surely you know, huge capacity to, to grow the local uh, sale of cherries, uh, those grown in this country. Uh, and, I, and I think getting coming out of COVID, that might be something that's an opportunity to exploit. That's a very good, uh, optimistic and positive note on which to end. That's all we've got time for today on this, uh, well, farm edition, shall we call it, of Fruitbox. I've been talking to Matt Hancock of Norton Folgate and Will Walmer of Blackmore Estates. Guys, thank you very much indeed. Thank Thank you. Now, you can find today's conversation with Matt and William and the many others I'm having here at Fruitbox on our website, fruitnet.com. Our audience continues to grow, and many of you now tune into these conversations each and every week. It shows the strong interest there is out there for the best insight at the moment of pretty momentous change that there is out there in the world. I've got some great guests coming on the show in coming weeks, and if you want to feature in a future episode of Fruitbox, then get in touch with me at chris at fruitnet.com. Fruitbox is now on all the podcast platforms. You can stream or download an episode on your phone or tablet, and when you've finished listening, then do start reading because all our magazines are now on your phone and tablet too. They're free to download at Apple's App Store and Google Play. All you need is a connection to the internet, so there's really no excuse for you not to download them right away. Oh, and don't forget, eat more cherries. They're delicious. That was Fruitbox, and this is Chris White. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.